with something in the eyes. Perhaps it is Jabasa's child. This is our Furiosa. Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. It's been 184 days, plus the ones I don't remember, since we started this journey through Mad Max Fury Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 80, which begins with Furiosa and the Valkyrie embracing, and it ends with the wives climbing down from the war rig. On Wednesdays, they wear pink. It's Liz Whitaker and Allison Grimm from the Mean Girls Minute. Whenever somebody says it's been and then a span of time, I always want to say it's been 84 years. (laughs) It's been 84 years. (laughs) And I can still smell the the dust her bike kicked up from the dunes. (laughs) (laughs) Rick, there are days you don't remember. I feel like that shouldn't be a surprise to you. I thought you remembered every day that you spent with me. It's just the ones from before 10 years ago. Crap, now I'm sitting here trying to remember. <laughs> Don't, you know how to put me into a computer lockup mode. Don't do that <laughs> while we're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably more entertaining in my head. I'm sorry. You did that to me the other day. We were standing in the kitchen and I commented on something and then you retorted. And that literally put me into a computer shutdown as I started staring off into space, trying to calculate how right you were and how wrong I was. What did I say? It doesn't matter at this point, but... I think That's it just marriage. Yeah. She was probably all the way right and you were all the way wrong. <laughs> Again, Settled. <laughs> you brought a technicality into the mix and I was like, crap, I need to calculate this right now. Gosh. So we start off this minute with Furiosa. She's just standing in front of all of them and she's like, hey, it's me. Not that she says it exactly like that, but... It's a me, Furiosa. Yeah. <laughs> Nice to meet you, the fettuccine. <laughs> Try the fettuccine. <laughs> and so the Valkyrie comes over and they do this like thing where they put their hands on the back of each other's head and they do like a forehead press and then they hug and it's all sweet. Rick, do you remember? Oh no. When we were dating, I know it's a long time ago, we saw a movie called Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. That's a movie, yes. I think it was. And the Martians do this thing when they say hello to each other. They bump heads. Like, almost just like that. Okay. I definitely didn't think of that. Yeah. (laughs) I definitely didn't know that was a movie. (laughs) I try to forget that that's a movie that I've seen because it's that bad. Is that the right movie that I'm thinking of? Yes, it is. I remember it being lampooned by the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys. Yeah, I think that's the context under which we saw it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense then, because I can't imagine us ever sitting down and watching it straight. No, 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 no. What kind of terrible people would you have to be to do that? (laughs) 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 Like, I understand the Mystery Science Theater guys did it, but they were doing a public service. Yeah, they're putting their lives on the line for our entertainment. Mm -hmm. We never actually get any individual names for the Vuvulini because they don't introduce themselves. So I have resorted to deciding to call all of the Vuvulini by the first name of their actresses. And so we hear the first of them, 
pipe up and this Vuvulini that is talking behind the Valkyrie, she makes a comment about, ah, there's something in the eyes. Perhaps this is Jabassa's child. That is Jillian Jones. And now seems like a good time to get to know her a little bit. So Jillian Jones is best known, according to IMDb, for her work in this movie, Mad Max Fury Road. She was also in 2014's The Rover, where she played Grandma. She was in the show Love My Way between 2004 and 2007 as D. Page. And she was also the star of 1986's Twelfth Night, where she played Viola, Sebastian, and Cesario. Okay. So Jillian Jones was born April 19th, 1947 in Newcastle, New South Wales. Her IMDb bio is woefully lacking and her online presence is equally minimal. So a lot of my information is coming from what I could piece together from her acting list on IMDb. She began acting on television in 1968 in an episode of Contrabandits. From there, she went on to appear in several more television shows that longtime listeners will be familiar with, including Homicide, Matlock, Police, and Division 4. She got her first movie role in 1982's Heat Wave, where she played Barbie Lee Taylor. Four years later, she would star in Neil Armfield's film interpretation of William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night as the twins Viola and Sebastian. It's available to watch on YouTube, but before you run out and watch it, I will caution you that it is one of those interpretations where the actors speak in prose as if they're reading it right out of the book, but they're dressed and the settings are such as like they're in 1986. And so there's a lot of disconnect there and it's very odd to watch. So it's sort of like uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, yeah, but without the budget. Okay. <laughs> but I will not hear of any besmirching of Romeo plus Juliet. I said nothing. <laughs> I, I will fight you. <laughs> I think that's the second time you've threatened to fight me today. Well, you threatened it the first time. Since 1986, Jones has worked consistently in films and on television with 27-episode run on Love My Way and a 25-episode run on Packed to the Rafters after that. She doesn't have any projects listed as in production on her acting list, but that acting list does total up to 49 credits, so she's no slouch. That was very in-depth, thank you. That was. I feel like I know Jillian Jones so much better now. We have a lot of new faces that are being introduced in this minute alone, and I have a hard and fast rule about only introducing one actor per episode. So the next several episodes are going to feature one new face per go round. So our listeners have that to look forward to, I guess. But as for the minute at hand, while Jillian is talking in the background to the other Vuvulini that are gathered around, the Valkyrie pulls back from Furiosa and asks her how long it's been. It's been 84 years. <laughs> and Furiosa says that it has been 7,000 days plus the ones that she doesn't remember. So not an extremely accurate count. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's been, you know, keeping notches of the days. Okay. Uh-huh. On what, like her metal arm? Uh, on her leg. I don't know. <laughs> cool, cool I place. wish that there were notches on the inside of the rig mm. <laughs> that were never explained. Like, they were never mentioned. They're just there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, she's been counting the days. Like Ray inside the ATAT on what's the planet? Jakku. 
Oh, boy. Star Wars list. And I've actually seen that movie. So I jumped on Google to check out how long 7,000 Days actually comes out to. I was going to do that. And it is a little over 19 years. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of notches. (laughs) How old do you think Furiosa is? Okay, so Charlize Theron, when they recorded this movie, which I think they recorded it in 2012, and then they spent a lot of time, and then they released it in 2015, she was 39. Okay, so if Furiosa is 39, that would mean that she wasn't abducted as a child. She was abducted as a 20-year-old, a full-fledged adult. But I mean, this is also Hollywood, so maybe Furiosa is only supposed to be like 30. Yeah, I would say, I would, I, like, if, when you posed the question, Julia, my first thought was... 30 that she's 30 i think 30 Mm -hmm. is fair yeah uh because that means she was 10 when she was taken which would be old enough for her to remember her actual name and have the wherewithal to count the days and to remember them yeah i definitely estimated that she was either a teenager or like early 20s when she was taken because in some written backstory somewhere that I can't remember exactly where it is. On Reddit. It's explained that Furiosa was at once put in the position of being one of Joe's wives, but it didn't work out. And so she got moved over to being an, imp- it didn't an imperator. Yeah, it, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. How crazy is it that someone like Furiosa wouldn't be satisfied being in a rape cult? It does help to paint a picture of how she got to where she is. Because we know that she Mm -hmm. was abducted or, well, we know that she ended up being a potential wife. We don't know if that's why she was abducted or if she was abducted for the fun of it and then caught the eye of Joe. Whatever. She ended up as a potential wife. The verbiage is it didn't work out, but what it means is she's infertile. She can't have children. So that makes her Uh. absolutely no use to Joe. Yeah, we probably don't want to spitball too much about her history, because if we stick the landing and guess correctly, then word might get back to George Miller and he'd be like, well, I guess I can't use that idea for a movie. Rip it up and throw it out. (laughs) It does give us a little bit of guidance in imagining her timeline. So if she was abducted when she was 10, she would have spent a few years being groomed as a wife for Joe. And I'm not exactly sure how you find out that you're not fertile in a world without the technological advancements that we have now. I think I know how she finds out, but it's not something that you really want to think about. Go for it. Well, that means that she's routinely raped by Joe and then routinely gets her period and doesn't conceive. So that's a lot of trauma to go through to figure that out. I think you're right. In modern medicine, it's even hard to tell like if somebody's never just isn't ever going to get pregnant. There's always like, mm-hmm. well, we can keep trying, but it's hard to say it's just not going to happen. So the best way to tell that it's not going to happen is that it never does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So lots of trial and error. Yeah. So I don't know how long he gives his wives to reproduce before he casts them aside. Maybe that's just not true. Maybe she's not infertile. Maybe she just didn't get pregnant. Maybe she bit him during sex and he was like, all right, you're out of the the harem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you're not going to cooperate while I rape you, then you can't stay. Uh, 
This is a strictly vanilla rape call. <laughs> Not really into that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't want to think of Joe as like just a really boring person, like missionary only. <laughs> he comes home and he like puts he puts his glasses and his slippers on. <sighs> I can't imagine that Joe is very creative. Oh no. Because creativity in the bedroom kind of intimates a mutual enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And he's not interested in mutual enjoyment. He's very utilitarian. Yeah. So I, I don't imagine that he is in any way outside the box. God, you know people on Tumblr have written like super long fan fiction, like self-insert fanfics of being one of Joe's wives. And he treats them differently. They found the softer side of Joe. Oh, that is so disturbing. In researching yeah. for this week... I stumbled onto an archive of their own. Stumbled on. And there are people that have written stories about the 7,000 days that Furiosa Mm. spent between being abducted and getting back here to the Vuvulini. And I didn't read it because I'm not a fan of reading fan fiction. Mm. Is is that the right way to sound? Only (laughs) writing. Yeah. Not even even writing. Yeah, I didn't delve into it. Well, you're but obviously a lot of never the, a teenage girl. But obviously yeah. a lot of the content tags were there, and I'm like, okay, based on what they're tagging their story with, I can intimate what kind of content is in there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, thank you. Cool. So Furiosa has outlined exactly how long she's been gone, and another one of the Vuvulini come up, and she asks about Furiosa's mother. What has happened to Mary Jabasa? So this Vuvalini that has stepped up, she's got the... How would you describe those curls that she's got? Trying to, like, describe her hair a little bit. Beautiful. Second 32, she is the second Second one in from the right. With the big round goggles. Oh, her hair is braided. The one that asks what happened to your mother? Yes. Yeah, her hair is braided. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay, it's a little bit further away. Yeah, those are definitely braids. Second 34, you get an up close. Oh, yeah, that's much better. Oh, yeah, they are. They're like little tiny braids. Little baby braids. Mm-hmm. So that's Melita. I don't know if it's Melita or Melita. Or I would assume it's Melita, but... Melita. I like the way sounds that sounds. more sonorous. Probably wrong, but let's go with it. Yeah. Is that the actress's name? Yes. It is. Okay. It would be great if one of them was named like Barb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is Melita Jurisic. And we'll find out a little bit more about her on Friday because she's the next one to speak up. So she's the next one to get the spotlight. And Furiosa has a little bit of bad news related to her mom. She says that she died and she expounds on that by saying on day three. So of the 7,000 days that Furiosa has been away, she's been alone for 6,997 of those days. So when did the day she doesn't remember happen? Because I would have assumed those were at the very beginning when she didn't realize she needed to count. It could also be days that she was unconscious. Like if someone knocked uh, her out and then she woke up like a few days later. Okay. Or maybe the the traumatic days that she doesn't want to remember. Mm. That's what I was thinking. Okay. Mm. The days that were so violent that she doesn't remember them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is a great movie, and, like, it's got a lot of scenes that are a lot of fun, but whenever you stop and think about, like, Furiosa's history, it's real distressing. dark and disturbing, yeah. It really is. What I do like about this interaction, though, talking about Furiosa's mom, is that when the Vuvulini hear that Mary is dead, 
they do this thing where they reach up into the air with their open hand and then they close it and they bring it down and press it to their chest. And I don't know the story of this gesture, like where it comes from or anything like that. I couldn't find any material on it, but I like the idea of it because it's almost like they're reaching out into the ether, grabbing hold of that person's memory and then like putting it in their heart. That's what I thought too. And then Furiosa around second 44, 45, she repeats the gesture and the look on her face, it's like she's truly come home. Like she's reintroduced herself to this society. She's reintegrating herself into their customs. And it's like she's really back. And we get a genuine smile from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like she's that she's doing this gesture that she hasn't done for over 19 years. And she remembers how to do it. And like you said, yeah, it's, it's coming home. It's like riding a bicycle. <laughs> it's like falling off a log. Vuvulini <laughs> <laughs> grab. It's like riding a bicycle. <laughs> we get another Vuvulini speaking up in second 48. This one furthest right in the frame is named Joy Smithers. And so we will be calling her Joy from here on out. And she is very interested in where Furiosa and the others have come from. And this is a chance for Furiosa to point back the way they came and say, oh, it's, we're off from the west, the Citadel beyond the mountains. I think that means that the Citadel is well known enough that she can just refer to it as the Citadel. Mm-hmm. I like that the question is posed in a very like proper way, like it's been translated from another language. From where did you come? Right, because you, yeah. you don't ask where did you come from, because that's a preposition and you never end a sentence with a preposition. Right, except like where people do all the time. <laughs> yeah, they've got that great education in the desert wasteland <laughs> very proper education in that in the wastes here yeah the vuvuliti don't mess around when it comes to learning english super important life skill to have in the desert no dangling prepositions as the camera swings back to look in the direction that furiosa was motioning we get to see that toast and cheeto have leaped down from the war rig and the dag is following close behind with capable just about to leap out but we can see that Max is leaning out his driver's side door and Nux is going to be hopping down afterwards. And so the last Vuvalini that we're going to meet today, Antoinette, she is the white haired one. She steps forward and she's very concerned about Furiosa's traveling partners. And she says, the men, who are they? Fair, smart question. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. She's absolutely right to be cautious of men in the wasteland because nine times out of ten, they're going to be raiders. I mean, or just in general. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not just in the wasteland. Always. Uh, I also really like that Liz and you, you gave Liz and I, or you gave Liz and me minutes with very little men. Thank you for good looking out. Uh, hashtag band men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hashtag yes all men. <laughs> That's why you chose us, right? Yeah. You knew this was going to happen, right? I would be lying if I said I didn't save you for these minutes. <laughs> We don't want to talk about men. <laughs> nope. I was like, wait, there was a man in that vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. There's actually a dude named Max in this movie? There are a lot of people that like to complain that he doesn't feature heavily enough in this movie, but I don't see the point that they're trying to make. Mm -hmm. Internet nerds. He's got like three other movies. The main thing I love about the Vuvulini is how they're equipped. They've got the scarves and the goggles and the vests and the bandoliers and things like that they are totally kitted out 
for the wasteland, and I love their outfits. Or for like a steampunk con. They're ready for that as well. Yeah, they are a couple of whalebone corsets and top hats away from being completely steampunk. They're a stupid bicycle away from fitting in in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine the Valkyrie does her Xena yell out across the desert and a bunch of penny farthings? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Squeak their way across the top of these dunes. Oh, my God. Ugh. Another cool thing about these Vuvulini is that a lot of their weapons are actually muzzle-loading weapons, which means that they're not beholden to the manufactured type of ammunition that a lot of the warboys are stuck using. Because with a muzzle loader, all you need is a projectile that'll fit inside the barrel, and you could pack all the powder down behind it, and that thing will launch and ruin the day of anyone it comes in contact with. It's female ingenuity right there. Exactly. Independence. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't sick, I'm sure I'd make a great joke about muzzle loading, but <laughs> I am, so I can't. <laughs> Liz, are you a little jealous of these women who get to live out in the desert where there are no allergens? Oh, God, so much. I want to live in a desert so bad. I wish I was in a desert right now. Even this desert? Well, I don't know. Right now, maybe. I'm real miserable. <laughs> but like tomorrow, Christmas. no, not this desert, but more like a temperate desert. I would die immediately in a desert wasteland like this. I'm not cut out for the harsh reality of living like this. So I noticed just a weird little something back in the first second of the minute as I was just scrubbing through again. So there's a bike that's got a sidecar on it. Mm -hmm. And the tip, the front tip of the sidecar looks like it's uh, painted like an eyeball. I saw that. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Okay, I thought I was hallucinating that. So thank you (laughs) for validating my visions. (laughs) Yeah, it's the first time I've noticed it. It's kind of cool. I wonder if the Volvolini have a thing about eyes, because it was also mentioned that she has Jibasa's eyes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Look at this. The sidecar is teaching us things. About their, like, spiritual (laughs) worldview or whatever. Yeah. And I suppose if you want to look at it this way, their head-touching thing brings their eyes Mm -hmm. close together. Oh, yeah. They've also got, like, really piercing eyes Mm. Mm. so a lot of ladies with dark hair and blue eyes which is also kind of did they get imported from wales or something (laughs) i mean it's australia yes so yes yes. they They don't think they chose to be imported (laughs) i think it was more of a deported situation (laughs) (laughs) thank grandpa's penchant for stealing bread for that one yeah glad i could put two and two together (laughs) (laughs) but that pretty much brings us to the end of this minute we've scrubbed through every bit of it so we will be coming back on friday furiosa is going to explain why max and nux are there for someone like liz the wives (laughs) will meet the vuvulini and furiosa will just have all of those dreams and hopes that she has just get Mm. pushed off the shelf like a, like a cat, cat with a water glass on a table. <laughs> exactly. So come back on Friday for that. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. 
Our home on the internet is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook by searching for Mad Max Minute, and join our Facebook listener group, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 80 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.